Welcome back. It's episode 68 of the Hockey House podcast presented by Optimex Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, joined alongside today by Colin Fitzgerald as we bring you the latest news from the ACHA and CHF offseason. Fitzy, just you and I today. Herm is moving in and getting settled into his apartment in Utica and doesn't have Wi-Fi yet. This hour of the day, Glick is at his internship, so he won't be able to make it at the time recording. But uh, how have you been? I've been good, Murph. It's uh, We've done a... Uh a Murph Fitz episode once before, so we're, we're not new to this. Yeah, I feel like this is either the second or the third time we've done mm-hmm. it, so we've got this down at this point. Off-season kind of starting to wind down for you, right? Like, we're getting closer there, counting down the days. Yeah, gone by quickly. I have some some big news to drop. Herm and uh, Glick will have to tell them, they'll have to listen to the episode. I mean, Herm will, will edit it, but uh, I'm, I'm headed down south uh, next year. Birmingham Bulls gave me a PTO, so that's the, uh, the plan for for the next season you know Binghamton was obviously one of the best experiences for me but the goal all along has been to to progress in the leagues and I'll be headed to the SP next year so hopefully it all works out walk us through like is there like a training camp date and you got to get ready for that or do you got to try out before training camp like how does that work PTO just stands for professional tryout and they haven't said yet but training camp will be mid-October early October like it's an invite to main camp or training camp so every player ends up signing one of those whether you're you're, you know, the five-year returning captain or you're like me, every single guy, that's what they're signing. Yeah, you'll show up to, to main camp and there'll be, you know, 25, 30 or so guys. And then if they like what they see, they'll give you an actual contract out of there and you'll be you'll be playing for them. Awesome. And you just can't get away from the Acha because the Birmingham Bulls, of course, share an arena, the Pelham Civic Center with the Alabama Frozen Tide. So that's awesome. But no, that's great. I mean, you're just addicted to cities that start with the letter B going from Binghamton to Birmingham, but we're happy for you. We'll get to some Binghamton news in a bit here. We've got that on tap for today. But yeah, I'm filming or recording here uh, from the roller hockey press box here at, at summer camp. I noticed, Fitz, you got the wheels on the other day. You going down to the park and getting some laps in? There's a park like five minutes from my house, and I, I can't believe I didn't utilize this thing when I was younger because it's got the nets out full like metal regulation size the cord is like actually spray like it's a legit hockey you know roller rink and uh outdoors so yeah i've been going down there i've been bringing a a metal puck and ripping that into the the chain linked fence so just been trying to work on the shot mostly yeah no it's so funny too like a couple days a week i'm most of the time here at the roller rink and then one day a week we're on ice that first step on the ice after rollerblading for consecutive days feels so weird i just find myself like doing the pk suban training video to get my edges going again once i get out there but uh it's funny like i've never as a kid i didn't rollerblade that much but now this summer i've been rollerblading a ton so starting to you know I have to get used to that when I get back on the ice. But we wanted to congratulate our friend of the show, Louis Shanks, for setting the world record for rollerblading across the country. Uh, this is something we've been keeping an eye on for over a year now um, after we interviewed him. And he set the world record. Louis rollerbladed from Los Angeles to New York City in 45 days, 10 hours, and 44 seconds. And we were talking the other day. I don't know. I feel like I thought this was going to take a lot longer than it ended up taking. But 45 days to rollerblade across the country is insanely impressive it felt like he did it in like 20 yeah it just kind of flew by like those way it all went down it was just like all of a sudden those first two days i was like wow like matt like imagine how exhausted he was after day two day three and it's like you're you haven't even left california yet to see him you know rollerblading through Times square and then that that day i saw he fell yeah he had a big and i'm sure what when he joins us i 
you know, he's got a million other things to do right now to catch up on with life after rollerblading across the country for 45 days. So he's going to join us when he can. But yeah, he had a big post about like he felt the first day he fell was the day he rollerbladed the most because he knew how hard it would have been if he had just given up on that day, how hard it would have been to get back on the horse and just keep going. But he, he, yeah, he had a big emotional post about how the day he fell was the day he rollerbladed the most because he, you know, wanted to prove that he could do it, which was really cool. And I'm sure he's got crazy stories. That'll probably be an insanely long podcast when we have him on to tell the stories about rollerblading across the country. But super excited for him. L.A. to New York City, Venice Beach to Times Square, raising funds for Steven Johnson syndrome, something that he battled when he was a kid. He's has been in the works for a while. He knew once he finished his college career that he was going to do this and uh huge shout out to him for accomplishing this. And we're so, so proud of him for doing so. We mentioned it a little bit earlier, but NCAA hockey to Binghamton could be in the near future. In the quarterly report of Binghamton university's president, Harvey Stenger, the idea of bringing college hockey to school was mentioned. He said collegiate sports are an important part of our university experience. Currently, more than 400 students participate in our Division I athletics teams and many more are active in our club programs. Binghamton's club hockey team, for example, placed second in the nation at the Collegiate Hockey Federation Cup this year. Given the strength of this program, as well as our growing interest in athletics, the university is currently conducting a study regarding the expansion of our athletics programs to include men's ice hockey and women's field hockey. Uh, This is really cool because it directly relates to the success in the CHF as being one of the reasons why they're looking into it. Uh, Fitz, I know you kind of uh, didn't have a a great experience with the Binghamton guys when you bumped into them late night at the bar, but kind of walk us through. I think, I mean, I look at it, I think Binghamton would be a really good place for college hockey. As a Syracuse guy, I'd be pretty disappointed if Binghamton got NCAA hockey before Cuse did, but uh, what are your original thoughts after seeing this? Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's it's awesome. Anytime. I mean, that's that's our whole idea behind this podcast is, you know, ACHA hockey is college hockey. And we love seeing ACHA teams, you know, wanting or actually making the jump to um, Division One. But I think the university president, he's just he's kind of, you know, reading through the reports. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, this sounds cool. It's uh, we could be a D1 team. And I don't think he fully understands like what goes into that. It, it's um. It's a lot and, and not to take anything away from from Binghamton and what the, the team did last season uh, is phenomenal. You know, you look at like their baseball team um, is Division One. Yeah, they made it to regionals and they were in a region regional with three other teams. They went, you know, 0 and 4 in the uh, the playoffs for baseball. And that's that's kind of how I look at it is their baseball team's Division One, which is great and all. But the moment they step out of, you know, playing whoever it is in their their Binghamton conference and have to play these actual you know down south baseball teams it can't compete obviously you can you can do it but the president is certainly underestimating the journey it's going to take and there's a lot that goes into that that i don't think he fully gets of course like the report doesn't you know there's no way means that they're just going to get a team but it is cool to see like usually when this happens it's like maybe a unlv or an illinois but a binghamton i don't think was on anybody's radar which was was cool to see and they back it up by you know saying hey like also men's ice hockey but women's field hockey as well so they do have a sport that they could kind of match it with for for title nine purposes but yeah it'll be an interesting one to follow and i wanted to make note too because i was having a conversation uh, here at camp with a guy who coaches D3 hockey. And he was asking me about it. He was like, did you see the Binghamton stuff? And I was like, yeah, that's pretty crazy. And he said, well, 
you know, maybe they look into buying the arena in Binghamton because the county, Broome County, owns the arena. Um, and I know something similar happened with uh, UMass Lowell in Division One NCAA. They purchased Songus Arena in 2010, which was then owned by the city of Lowell and home to the Lowell Devils. So when the school purchased it, basically months later, the Devils moved and uh, the school was the main tenant of the arena. Fitz, the Black Bears, just moved to town, had a pretty successful season. So maybe I... Maybe that is also a spark in this. The university saw how successful the team was and how much fan support they had. And it was like, hey, maybe maybe we can get another team in green and black on the ice and they'd be just as successful. So it, it's pretty cool to see. And like, like you mentioned, it's it's a such a long process. And if you're you're not ready for it, um, it, it could be kind of an Illinois situation where in a couple of years this this study goes away. I think buying the arena would for sure be something they'd like 100% have to do. And if you get a venue like that, you're going to attract good hockey players to come there just to play in that setting. Yeah. And and, and arena, like you mentioned, all the steps that goes into arena is the biggest part. Like you can't add you can't add hockey and just not really have the arena situation figured out. And Penn State's seen a lot of success. They got the arena right away. And now we say CASU, they're putting the finishing touches on their rank, which should be ready to go by their their home opener on October. I want to give a shout out to Jordan Shannon. Wish him all the best. The former Kentucky hockey player suffered many injuries in a severe car accident this week and is being treated at the University of Kentucky Medical Center. He has a GoFundMe page set up. Be sure to check out our page. ACHA show gave him a shout out with and posted the GoFundMe link so you can head there to find it. We reshared his story in the link on our Instagram story and he reached out. Jordan reached out and let us know that he appreciated all the support he's received so far and he's blessed to you know be here to kind of tell the tale the photos from the car accident were pretty gruesome what happened to his car but uh we're glad he's okay and uh happy he reached out to us to to check in so uh we wish him nothing but the best and like i said if you want to send him any money he's got a gofundme page set up for his medical expenses and i I believe they're already halfway to their goal which is really good to see speaking of things we really like to see the usa boys bringing home the gold brody selman's first period goal helped the lead the united states to a 3-1 win over canada in the Maccabi Men's Ice Hockey Open gold medal game. Pretty cool to see. Congrats to Brody Selman and Jesse Lowell from University of Arizona, Asher Motu from DePaul, Brandon Avazov from Stony Brook, and Zach List, uh, who had previously played at Western New England and NCAA D3 team. And he is planning on heading to South Carolina next season to play in the CHF. So we want to give those boys a shout out. I mean, it looked like an awesome time, awesome experience for those guys at the Maccabi Games, which I, I feel like got pretty good exposure this time around uh, which is always good to see and we love seeing ACHA and CHF guys compete in the offseason and, and bring home a gold medal wearing the USA jersey so that was awesome and uh, I'm sure those guys will, will join the show pretty soon here and, and you know share their experiences there wanted to give some stick taps to limitless hockey uh, the Frozen Jungle has been an awesome opportunity for college hockey players in the Northeast to stay competitive during the summer. Um, it's held once a week at the Canton Ice House. They got four teams, over 30 schools represented, uh, 19 of them with guys from the ACHA. So that has been a huge success this season. We want to give them a shout out for giving ACHA guys a place to play over the summer. And a stick taps to Selly Hockey. We still have some hats left. Be sure to check out using the link, sellyhockeyco.com. We sold out of the black ones within a couple hours, but we still have some off-white and cream hats left. Fitz, has yours come in yet? Not yet. I'm I'm checking the door every day. I'm I'm pumped for it to show up. 
Yeah, I think they think they got shipped out on Monday. So it, maybe today's the day. I've been rocking mine. Uh, I've, I've been wearing the black one, you know, working with kids all day. They just love to grab my hat. I already got fingerprints on the white one. So I got to wash that off. So maybe that one stays on the shelf until I get back to school. But awesome. It was lo- great seeing the support that we got from everyone who was purchasing a hat. I think it'll be a go-to like pregame when you go out and tape your stick. I, it'd be cool to see some guys wearing rocking the Hockey House hats this year. So once again, thank you to everyone who bought a hat. If you would like to get one, be sure to head to sellyhockeycode.com. Like I said, we got some a couple of the cream ones left. Change it up this week for the question of the week. I went with a would you rather fits because I knew it was just going to be me and you. Um, and I, I think we got a good one here, a good debate. Going back to your ACHA days in Indiana, would you rather be fully funded by the school and get no fan support or get fan support and have no funding from the school? I'm curious what, what your thoughts are on this. Well, when I played, we had neither. So um, I'll go with get all the fan support and then no funding from the school when you play high school hockey that's like your biggest thing is like you know you're playing the rival school that night and everyone from your your school's coming everyone from the other school's coming place is going to be packed those games you you know you just thrived in those games because everyone was there and then you get to college and it's dressed like a seat night i for sure would want fans to be there and then i think from that you can you know sell like whatever you can sell jerseys you can sell different merchandise to make money that way you can have fundraising things where it's like you know if you want to keep coming and seeing us play like we need money type deals so i think you could you could make it work without the school funding but it's harder to build the the following and the fan base yeah i totally agree with you i think i would take the fan support over the funding that way at least you know like you're being recognized you know you're liked on campus it's nice to play games in front of a lot of people i think about like a kentucky where they're packing that place every night like that must be awesome to have that kind of support and then because the reverse is would be kind of weird where you're getting the funding but no one really knows you're a team on campus like that would be kind of bizarre i think that would be almost like being a d3 team in a way and like you said i think there's ways around it to make it work where you can get funding for your team if even if you're getting the support there so i thought that was an interesting question we'll throw that up on the story this week and see what people think but wanted to wanted to get people thinking and you know shout out to the frank dress like a seat night always always a hit there they've they've been bringing it back uh they've, they've gotten they've really made some strides since i since i left there it's it's really come a long way so happy happy for them but a little jealous at the same time so my idea i don't know if i ever talked about this in the pub my idea last season we were trying to think of like some theme nights to do and i wanted to do dress like a seat night like i wanted to advertise dress like a seat night because we didn't get to play during covid like a lot of teams played with no fans you know the nhl teams they had the tarps on the bleachers i wanted to do that like we of course we end up wearing masks all season long let's get dressed like a seat night um we'll have like one of the local bars on campus play the game in the bar give discounted drinks and let's like pack a bar of people watching our games We'll have fake crowd noise at the game. We'll do all the things that they did during COVID and we'll advertise it as dressed like a seat night. We'll try to get the lowest attendance in the league that night. See if we can get zero fans at the game that nobody bought it. Uh, I thought it would, I thought it'd be a great idea. And you intentionally do dress like a seat night. That's, I would love to see a team do that next season. You can at least explain then like why there's no one at the game. Like you're, you're actually prepared for Like we planned this. It wasn't like we were hyping up the game and nobody showed up. Like, no, we, we wanted this. Exactly. Pump in the fake crowd noise. If uh, somebody scores a hat trick, maybe you have one of the interns like throw a bucket of hats on the ice like they did in the NHL. I think it'd be great. Maybe maybe in a couple years, you know, when people are throwing like uh, 
COVID themed dress up parties at frat houses. Maybe that'll be they'll do dress like a seat night as a throwback night. But that was my idea and uh, tying into the fan support. Yeah, we've got a, a great interview uh, this week. Uh, Kean Hogan of Bishops University makes a second appearance. He's joined this time by teammate Jack McGowan. Uh, the boys talked about what it was like playing north of the border this past season. You know, Bishops University being a team in Canada, playing club hockey here in the United States, and the challenges that they faced when it came to playing with the travel restrictions in Canada. So as always, this interview is brought to you by Optimex Sports. Optimex Sports provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website. And the best part is your first year is free. So be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. And if you're interested in signing up, be sure to use our referral using the link optimxsports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod. Tons of teams hopping on the Optimex train this week. Niagara's women's team hopped on the train, their ACHA team. Colorado State, they had their men's D1, their men's D2, and women's D1 team all hop on the Optimex wagon, and uh, Appalachian State also joined. So great to see teams joining. Remember, use that link, optimxsports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod. Uh, let them know that the hockey house pod sent you. Getting ready for the season here. Make sure your team's website is in good shape and no better way to do it than with Optimex Sports. Fitzy, that wraps it up for us. Any plans for the week? What are we looking ahead at? Nothing much. I was actually gearing up. There was a free agent camp in Huntsville, Alabama this Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and that was what I was uh, planning to go to. I was going to make the trek down there but that is no longer necessary so i'll just be uh hanging out and uh continuing to train awesome and like i said another another long week of summer camp coming up for me but you know the the days are getting longer but the weeks are getting shorter and time seems to be flying by and sure enough i'm i'll be back at q so we'll be gearing up for the season so exciting times fitzy take care once again thank you to everyone listening and we'll turn it over to keen hogan and jack mcgowan see you boys we're pleased to be joined by two members of the Bishops University men's ice hockey team. Uh, they've got some huge news for us as they're joining the show. Kean Hogan is back. Uh, he joined us about a little over a year ago, joined by uh, his assistant captain, Jack McGowan. So, boys, welcome to the Hockey House. Kean, welcome back. Thanks, Mac. You know, always a pleasure to come on and uh, talk with the boys here. Yeah, super excited to be here. We're pumped to have you, and uh, you know, Keen, I, I kind of skipped over it there, but uh, congrats on being named captain for this upcoming year, Jack. It sounds like it's a pretty big deal. You were named an assistant captain, being one of the the younger guys on the team here. So we're psyched to have you guys on. And I know, I mean, we can kind of just dive into it right now, Keen. W- big news this week for Bishop's hockey. Yeah, no, actually, today we uh, we just got confirmation that not only are we a hundred percent in the CHF, we also got accepted in a Division One of the UNYCHL, and you know we're just super fired up to get that news because we were on probation last year and uh, we had a good year, but you know we weren't really officially members of the league, so getting into the league is great, and also having a conference so we can compete in those uh, conference playoffs. And yeah, no, it's awesome news for our team, and we can't wait to hit the ice this uh, this fall. So does that make you guys? officially are you now the only canadian team in the chf we are yeah we are the first and only current canadian team that's pretty exciting because i mean like last time we talked you know it was coming out of the covid season i know uh you guys weren't able to play that much and you know this past year uh limited number of games like you mentioned kind of on probation but jack you know we we know kian uh let's get to know you a little bit more kind of talk about your hockey career growing up as a kid where you're from and uh what led you to bishops 
I live in Toronto and I've played double A hockey in Toronto my whole life. I never got up to the triple A level and I played with a bunch of better guys than me, but I'm excited to be on the team and had a great year this year. I chose to go to Bishops just because of the program and the area and I knew they they had this hockey team and I didn't want to give up on hockey yet and wanted to continue playing my junior hockey career and it worked out perfectly for me and I'm glad to be a part of the team. All right, so boys, kind of walk us through this this past you know season. Kean, kind of what were the expectations going in? Did you guys know that you were going to be on probation? And was it kind of just like, hey, let's get as many games in as we can? Yeah, so we knew going in we were going to be on probation. We also knew we were going to have a tough year with COVID and everything. So basically we are on probation to start off for two reasons. Number one, obviously, because we're in Canada and that makes everything more difficult. And number two is they didn't want another Sioux College situation where they just come in and just wax everybody. Our main goal is just to get as many games in and show that we're a competitive program, but not that we'd be dominating everybody. And I think we showed that pretty well because we started the year off going down to Lake Placid and uh, playing in a tournament down there. And we beat Paul Smith's college, who was the host, by a pretty solid score. But, you know, I got nothing good to say about them. The, we got a couple quick goals, and I think that just took the, took the air out of their tires. But otherwise, wise just great guys and some good hockey players and then uh, we beat St. John St. John Fisher three nothing in the finals and I believe they beat they came fifth out of like 32 in the UNYCHL so us beating them three nothing you know shows that we're not going to walk over everybody and then we were actually planning on going down to University of New Hampshire right after but about a week or two after we got back from Lake Placid uh, the Quebec government Canadian government whoever you want to blame sent us back into lockdown with a curfew and everything no practices no hockey no no in-person class, no nothing, especially no crossing the border. So that put a big dent in our season and we weren't able to get in any more game action until March when we went down to Boston. So when did that initial shutdown happen? What month was that? First week of December and we were in Lake Placid November 20 something. Wow. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And uh we can get kind of get to the Lake Placid tournament in a bit, but Jack, I want to get your perspective, you know, coming in, what were your, you know, initial thoughts? What were you expecting the level of hockey to be? What were your thoughts after playing in Lake Placid and, and getting some games under your belt? Well, when I showed up to the tryouts, I could definitely tell that we had a pretty solid team already. A lot of the guys on the team have played similar levels to me, as well as a couple guys that had played, I think, a couple games in the queue at one point. And obviously those guys will stand out on our team. But when we got down to the States, the hockey was a decent bit faster than what I was used to, but it wasn't super out of control or something that I couldn't keep up with when I got there. Obviously not a big goal scorer, but still had a good time and hopefully laid some hits and riled up the team a little bit. And so Keen, you know, going through what you guys went through the pandemic, I mean, how huge was it just to get on the ice in Lake Placid? Oh man, it was absolutely massive because we we actually got the green light to go to Placid and the Placid tournament was in the works in the summer. So it was just perfect timing that we had about a two or three week period where we weren't locked down, where we were able to cross the border. And it just so happened that the Lake Placid tournament was in that time frame. So it worked out really well. And it was awesome to hit the ice and show the CHF that we're legit and we're about it. But yeah, we got really lucky to even be able to go, honestly. Yeah. And, and so I remember I, I seeing the highlights from it. Did you guys play at multiple rinks in Lake Placid or was it kind of just at that one rink? It was so we only had two games. It was just a mini four team tournament there. Like the rest of them used it as just normal CHF games with the added bonus of being able to take some hardware home at the end of it. But it was us, Paul Smith, University of Albany, and St. John Fisher. 
And we played, like I said, we played Paul Smith the first game, beat them, and then we took on St. John Fisher in the finals. And yeah, it was all at the it was at all at the home rink of Paul Smith there, which was pretty nice rink. Yeah, nothing nothing special, but no complaints. My prep school team when I was at Bridgeton, we played in the Lake Placid tournament. And you know, as a kid, you're like, oh, like I'm finally going to Lake Placid to play, like. And, you know, in the, in the States, that's huge to go to Lake Placid. Everyone's seen the movie Miracle here, like huge. And we get there and we played at, at the rink that Paul Smith College plays at. Like we didn't play any of the games at like the 1980 rink. And I just remember like, being so bummed that we were playing there. But I, that rink is cold. That is a cold rink. They got the locker rooms under the wooden yeah. bleachers. I, I played a couple. I, I can't remember the teams we played against, but I just remember like there were some 9 a.m. games that weekend, uh, early mornings. That That is a barn and it was a cold rink. Yeah, no. And on that 1980 U.S. Olympic rink there, we were originally supposed to play on it, but the, it was getting renovated and the renovations ended up going too long. So we didn't get to end up playing on it, which sucks because like Miracle's my favorite movie. I got the poster in my bedroom at school. It's a bunch of guys on the team's feet and I'm a Canadian. And I just love the movie so much. And a bunch of the boys on the team, that's their favorite movie. And our first night in Lake Placid, I made the whole team sit down in the hotel and watch it. I was like, there's no way we're playing in Lake Placid and some guys haven't seen this movie. We actually, it's funny you say that yesterday it rained at camp. So like they just put on a movie for the kids and it's a sports camp. So it's obviously a sports movie they're putting on and they put on Miracle because we had enough time to kill to sit down for two hours. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting with these 11 year old boys and uh, they just like didn't understand the magnitude of the event. I'm like trying to explain to them like, no, like the 1979 NHL All-Stars lost to this Russian team and all these college kids, you know, beat them. Did you guys, when you're in Lake Placid, have a chance to, you know, walk around, see all the history? Yeah, no, we, uh, we didn't get to go in the 1980 rink, like I said, because it was under renovations, but we got to take a nice long walk around the town and check out the actual facility there with the speed skating rink ring and everything and see all, you could see the Olympic like skiing facilities out in the distance in the mountains. And it was, it's just like such an unreal little town that you'd never expect to host the Olympics, but there's so much history there. It's just such a beautiful little spot. Yeah, I've heard people refer to it as kind of like a time capsule. Like you would, they would never host the Olympics in a place like that ever again. But like that, the town is almost like stuck in 1980. It's like walking through a museum, walking downtown. It, it's pretty cool. And for those guys listening who have not been to Lake Placid, it's definitely worth checking out. But after, you know, you guys play the two games in Placid, Jack, I want to know what your thoughts were kind of walk us through what it was like when you get back in December and, and suddenly everything's shutting down. I mean, in the States, we were fortunate enough where we didn't really have anything like that. I know a couple of teams were wearing masks in the first semester for precautionary reasons, but I don't think anybody in the States got shut down. What was that kind of like in terms of like killing the team's momentum? Yeah, it was a little tough, especially after coming off a big win in Placid or big two wins and the practices started to slow down, but we did a good job of trying to keep the team together and still had some good hangouts with the guys and kept the team spirit up and then after wearing the masks and not merely being able to travel much kind of got back into it a little bit and played a couple more games out in boston but that shutdown was a little tough and killed the momentum of the team a little bit but once we got practicing again after the christmas break it was felt like back to normal almost and now when, when the shutdown went into effect were you guys like going back on zoom like was there a transition in the classroom or was it kind of just on the sports end some of the classes went back online some of them stayed in person but you know with Canada I mean COVID's still kind of going on so like the classes that were in person were uh social distance sorry masks you know the whole nine yards cutting classes in half or whatever you know it 
for the whole, for December through, I'd say February, it was pretty, like it was right at the start of COVID and it was, it was pretty tough there. And, you know, like, like McGowan said there, you know, we had some good team hangouts and stuff, but that's not the same as being on the ice with the boys. So. And I think with class, it was also like, since we're a smaller school, it was a little bit easier to keep some of our classes in person, but I know some of the big lectures were definitely shut down. There weren't any two, 300 uh, student classes or however big our biggest lecture room is. And it, I don't know, it brings people away from the school, but you're still seeing people on campus and around the town, which is nice. Yeah, it was, re- it was really tough though. Cause like the gym was even closed, you know, like what do you, what do you do when you're not sitting there in an online class? I don't know. There's not much you can do, you know, like legally we weren't even allowed to hang out with the boys like we were doing. It was tough. And I really hope this country doesn't go back to that state ever again because yeah it's just just not good you know not good for the mental health being cooped up like that yeah i I know from like uh from a a united states perspective it was definitely interesting because it felt like you know when the stanley cup playoffs had come around and like you see these teams in the states like easing up on the restrictions and montreal went all the way to the finals and they still had the restrictions and then Summer comes around and it, everyone's playing in full barns again. And you just like you're watching a Sens Maple Leafs game and there's just like nobody there. And it's like, wow, like you forget how like different things are, you know, in, in during these times. And I know you guys have probably watched it a million times, but Ryan Whitney's uh, rant about the Pearson Airport, the yeah. perspectives that Americans have going to Canada, because I think you guys have had it a lot worse than people in the states have and maybe the people in the states usually complain about it a little bit more but I mean, we could talk about this all night long i want to know like yeah. what was it like when you guys found out that you were going to go down to boston and play Nichols? was that something that you guys were holding out on was there like a hey this is actually going to happen walk us through you know those couple days where you found out that you guys were going to head down and, and cross the border yeah, no, I remember being in class, actually, like it, classes had just restarted for about a week there. I was in this, I don't know, SPO 200 or something with a bunch of the boys. There's like seven or eight of us in the class. I remember seeing like getting a notification on my phone being like the border is open and we're all like, holy shit, man. Did, like, does this mean we can get back to league play here? You know, we we sent out some emails to some Boston area schools because we had previously had games planned with them and just be, been like, yo, we're we're open again. Like, are you guys still interested in playing? And Nichols and Brown University jumped at it and they invited us down and we were like, say less. We were so excited to just be playing again. And and especially going down, like we're talking about how cool Lake Placid is, but like Boston's a major American city. And like I had never been, a bunch of the boys had never been. So it was not only unreal to get back on the ice, but to go to a city like Boston and take on like an Ivy League school like Brown, that was just an unreal experience. Yeah, Jack, was there anything you wanted to add to, uh, you know, just that reaction after the, you know, the long period of play? Had, had you been down to Boston before? What, what was that like, you know, traveling down? No, I had never been down to Boston before. And especially the way we travel, it was great to be back on the road with the boys and going to stay in like another hotel and especially to play some more games. Um, I know we were kind of talking about it a little earlier in the season and hoping that it would happen. Obviously, with the shutdowns and stuff, it kind of scared me a little bit that my first year I might not get to play a ton of games. But when we got the confirmation, it was like super excited to get down there and play games and be back on the ice again and play some good competition. 
Now, did you guys carve out any, you know, time in the schedule to go around Boston and walk around and see some sights? And, you know, what, what did the boys do to spend some time? And, you know, like you mentioned, like the best time a hockey team can spend together is on the road. And what did the Bishops guys get up to in Boston? Well, we went downtown to Boston. I don't know what the market was called. but Quin- Quincy Market, bud. Quincy Market. So we decided to go down there during the day for the day and turned out to be a really junky day. It was raining all day. It was freezing cold. I'm pretty sure a couple of us were in shorts. We were complaining the whole time that we were just cold and it was wet and we weren't having a good time. A bunch of our phones were dead. We almost lost a couple guys, but it worked out great. And it's just a memory I'll have with the team for the rest of my life. And especially with the guys that went down to check out the market with us. If you look at it, it's like we had like a whole list of activities. Like we want to go to TD Garden. We want to go to the Quincy Market that we did go to. We wanted to check out this aquarium. We wanted to go to Gillette Stadium because we were staying in Foxborough, a bit outside of Boston. And then it just turned out to just be a zoo, like Miguel said there. A bunch of boys lost each other. Uh, It was pouring rain. Guys were wearing shorts. But, you know, like looking back on it, it's honestly, with that happening, it's it leads to a better story, you know, than... Us just, you know, we could have had a, a fun afternoon in the aquarium and not really had a store any stories about it. But with the crappy weather and everything and, you know, everything that happened down there, I'm kind of glad it went like it did. I said I had Dunkin' Donuts, too, and it's just it just doesn't compare to Tim Hortons. I'm sorry. No, man, no, yeah. It just doesn't. No, that that's not going to offend me. And I'm a New England guy, too. Dunks is great. It gets the job done. I, when Anytime I'm in Buffalo or the Niagara area, I make sure to get some Tim's. I love it. I, I mean, I'm not too picky about my coffee, so I don't even really tell the difference. But Tim Hortons has always gotten the job, job done for me. Yeah, you can't you can't beat it. I mean, them and McDonald's. I know McDonald's, you don't really think of it as a coffee destination, but you can't beat those two places in Canada. It's definitely a go-to for a lot of hockey players in Canada, especially being named after a hockey player. Classic, yeah. yeah I, classic I have heard. I have heard McDonald's has good coffee. I've never had it myself, but I, I've been drinking more hot coffee lately, so maybe I'll have to give it a shot. Yeah, I know in Canada there's some BS about Tim Hortons going for some cheaper recipe and McDonald's picking up their old one or something. I don't, I don't know. Both of them are good. If you put both of them in front of me, I probably couldn't tell the difference. Wow. Is this like making headlines? Both better news? than Yeah. I don't know. Hot take that Mc, might be a hot take that McDonald's is on the same level or maybe even better than Tim's, but I'm, I'm ready for the heat. And I feel like Canadians would agree with that. Now, are you like, are you doing like the Gretzky order, like nine creams, nine sugars and, and calling it a cup of coffee? Maybe if I had an essay it, do it. And I hadn't started it doing five hours. I might, I might order the great one, the Gretz. But uh, growing up, you order that on the road with the team is just like a just for jokes, and you take a sip every once in a while, and it's just disgusting. It's like I don't even know how to describe what it tastes like. Just like the most sweetest. It's not even coffee at that point. It's just cream. All right, now now here's a question I have when comparing Tim Hortons and Dunkin' Donuts. We joke in like Massachusetts that there is a Duncan around like every street corner. Did you notice that or was it like comparable like in Canada, like there's a Tim's around every corner too? Exact same. In downtown Boston, yeah, in downtown Boston, there was literally, it seemed like one on every street. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, you'd walk one street over and there'd be a Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, I don't know about for you, Kean, but here in Toronto, there seems to be. 10 Tim Hortons within five kilometer radius of my house. 
and I can yeah, go to whichever it's, one I want, go anyway. Stittsville, where I live, is just like this suburb of Ottawa, and it's got like, I don't know, like four or five Tim Hortons, which is just completely excessive for the amount of people this town has. But I guess, you know, if it's doing business, it's doing business. So Back to the start here. Was this the shenanigans in Boston? Did this occur before you guys played Nichols or after you guys played Nichols? Like, is this on the way down or are we killing time between games? So we played Nichols. We drove down on Friday morning, got all our COVID tests done, all that good stuff. We went down, played them Friday night, uh, one eight to three, I believe. And then we played them again Saturday. That was Friday night. We played them again Saturday at 8 p.m. So we had the whole day to kill in Boston. So it was before our second game against Nichols. And then on the Sunday, we played Brown. Kind of walk us through, uh, what, what are some things you remember from those games against Nichols? I mean, were you guys shaking off the rust in the first game? How did those games go for you guys? They were good, like good competition, but we just had a couple guys that seemed to really step on it in the first game and put in a couple goals. One guy, William Leclerc, he's just one of the best players I've ever seen play, and it's hard to watch him and not be excited and hope that our team's going to win. Can't lie. Yeah, you know, like we we really took a risk on uh, taking him in camp two years ago, but uh, he, no, I'm just kidding. This guy's the most humble superstar. I'm going to call him a superstar, not even a star, because he's just so freaking talented. And you would never know that he's as good as he is because he's just such a quiet and humble guy. And like, if you look at the elite prospects, I think he averaged over four points a game this year. He's just, it's a sick joke how talented the guy is. And so I'm sure you guys have like the opposite end of the spectrum. You you got the guy who's scoring the goals and is really humble about it. Who's like the guy in the locker room who's like just laying everybody out and just running his mouth in the locker room like he's got six points? I'd have to say is, is it McGowan? I, I like he's smirking a little bit. No, no. I was I was gonna say it might be me. I like to chirp the boys, but like I also make fun of my myself and my goal scoring abilities all the time. So I'm going to have to go with Connor Bell on this one, the guy who's talking like he's like he just tucked six. And, uh, you know, the final stat line in the 15 nothing win was a secondary apple. No, I'm just kidding. But he, he's that guy for sure. Yeah, me and Kean were talking. We didn't score too many goals, that's for sure. Yeah, me and McGowan <laughs> combined for at zero tucks this year. Well, hey, somebody's got to schedule just, the games. Two just defensive defensemen, man. Hey, not everyone hey. needs to be Eric Carlson out here. No, no. Uh, someone's got to be Douglas Murray, right? That's what I'm saying, man. Somebody's got to be Mark Mathot. I love being <laughs> the Mark Mathot. I love being the Brent Seabrook, you know? It's my role. I love it. You got to know your role. Yeah, even uh, Brent Seabrook might be pushing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I got that much offense. But as a kid, I love that guy. I'd say Mark Mathot's the best one. Although people outside of Ottawa might not really know him. He was just Carlson's partner for years. And he was just like the. He was like the, the Carlson, like you take the puck. I'll stay at the far blue line. Make sure no one gets behind me. Exactly. That is exactly how me and McGowan play. Like, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll make sure nobody scores on us. You guys take care of scoring the goals. Love that. Okay. And so growing up in Canada, obviously college hockey is not as big as it is here in the States. It's kind of reverse roles. Junior hockey plays a bigger role in, in Canada growing up. What was it like playing at Brown, a school with a lot of hockey history, playing at that rink? Um, what was it like experiencing that? 
Oh man, it was it was incredible. It's one of the nicest rinks I've ever played in. To get a win there made it even better. Shout out to the Brown team though, a bunch of good guys, good good players. We won eight to three, but to be completely honest, the game was a lot closer than that. It's probably like a you know, like a six to six to four kind of game. And just playing in a rink with that much history, you know, you doing a little quick jog around the rink and warm-ups there and seeing how many NHL players they produced, it's just it's crazy, you know. And it was just an unreal experience to be able to play there with the boys. Yeah, definitely the biggest rink I had ever played in. And as soon as you walk in, they got the big grandstands. They got all the uh, the Ivy League school banners up on the roof. They got, I don't even know. It's just an amazing atmosphere. And I know me and Kean and a couple of the other guys are taking pictures up in the stands just to kind of take in how awesome of an arena it was. Yeah, we, we were playing there in an hour and we were just straight fangirling just taking photos around the rink, just, you know, it's just an, I just can't get, you don't really have many ranks like that in Canada. You got a lot more of your classic old barns as a, cause like you were saying, university college hockey isn't as big of a thing in Canada. So you're going to have those, like have a much better chance to play in those historic barns, like Meehan auditorium there at Brown when you're playing in the States. And for a lot of us, you know, it was our first experience playing in a rink with that much history and that held that many people. And you know, it was just awesome. All right, so you get a big win against Brown, and then you got that. You guys didn't end the season there. You were able to play a couple of games. It looks like you played in Montreal. Who was that against, and what was that like? You know, playing a Canadian university. Yeah, so we had two games against Canadian universities. One at the start of the year, one at the end of the year. The one at the start, we ended up playing Concordia, who was very, very good. Pretty much uh, all old QMJHL guys or at least a fair bit of them. Yeah, they they beat us. I got my front teeth knocked out because, you know, Canadian hockey can wear a visor. It's just a 10 out of 10 experience getting shellacked and then going home without my front teeth. Uh, But yeah, then at the end of the year, when we had our momentum going, it was only a week after the Boston trip. We went and played a school called ETS and we beat them three to two. And that was, uh, they're a pretty damn good team. And again, nothing, nothing but good things to say about them. So now, like, what league are those guys playing in? Like, if you guys are playing down in the CHF, like, what level of hockey are they? So it's kind of tough with the Canadians. So Concordia is, like, U Sports, which is, like, the Canadian equivalent of NCAA. Uh, But Concordia has, like, two teams, but both of them are really freaking good. And then ETS is was kind of like us before the CHF. They were like, they're currently looking for a league, but the difference between us and them is we're 30 minutes from the American border versus them, it's like over two hours, you know? So it's it's not the, uh, I don't think the CHF is in their future just based on the uh, the distances, but they're, they're a good team and they could absolutely be a competitive team in the chf yeah i was scrolling through the uh the instagram feed before this and saw the almost friday post with you know your chiclets and you got the gauze in your mouth and the visor it's a pretty sick post yeah yeah I, i i like it i like it probably a little too much I didn't, I didn't get it fixed for like two months because I just walked around school without my front teeth and the dentist was giving me some shit when I went in and they're like, why did you take so long to fix it? Part of, if you came in earlier, we could have like restored more of the tooth, yada, yada. And I was just like, don't lie. It looks tough. They were so French and they just didn't understand. And, you know, I already struck out before they even fixed my teeth. So I just sat in that chair for like two hours while they went to town on my front teeth and I mean, it was cool, but 
it was also pretty painful too. I think you were the only one out of the three guys that lost their teeth to keep them out that long. That's for sure. You definitely yeah, dude, it was sick, man. McGowan, were the chirps flying? Oh, some people were giving it to him good. That's for sure. <laughs> he he posted an Instagram picture missing him, but I don't know. I I definitely told him he should have gotten them fixed. They look yeah. tough, but only for so long, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So like in practice, we all wear visors just because the grand majority of the team played junior beforehand and Canadian junior wear visors. So yeah, I lost my teeth in the game against Concordia and then Bell lost his in a beer league game, which that's just, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd be straight up pissed off. I would, if I lost him in a beer league game and then Leclerc lost his in practice, but yeah, they got theirs fixed right away. I kind of, I kind of waited on mine. Now is like is the tooth fairy money coming out of like the club dues? Is that you know the tooth fairy did not visit me, unfortunately. <laughs> Two dollars under the pillow. That's no, awesome. I didn't. I didn't have any tooth. I didn't have any tooth to give the tooth fairy because uh, you just I had got when I got of my teeth? stick. It, yeah, it tasted no man. It was like a bunch of sand in my mouth. I didn't even know what happened. It was just sand in my mouth, and then I there's blood everywhere, and then there's shards of teeth all in my lip, and it was just, yeah. There was there was no there was nothing left over for the tooth fairy to take. That's brutal. So I mean, the, the season wraps up. Keen, I want to get your perspective because you went through you know the pandemic year. Looking at your schedule, I can't imagine playing that many games. Like you know, we we had a couple games get played, but we at least got like twenty six in, um, which is a pretty good year. Like going from a year where you weren't able to play at all, how fortunate were you to get the games in that you guys got in? Oh, honestly, like I'm, I'm so thankful that we did get the five games, the five CHF games, plus the Canadian games that we did get just because I couldn't have done another year without hockey. You know, like I was saying earlier, being locked down like that is, is pretty tough on, on the mental health of young people and everything. So like, yeah, the, it was tough seeing guys in the CHF and we weren't probationary members that full COVID year, but we were still going to get some games in and, you know, kind of make a kind of make a name for ourselves and we didn't get to do that and we didn't even get to practice literally our team got made we had training camp team was made we had one practice and then we shut down and that was our entire year so simply just getting games this year and being a part of the chf and seeing the rookies like mcgowan and the second year guys you know like uh nelson griffiths you know who who didn't get to play at all the year before you know seeing them get games was just was awesome to see Cause it wasn't a guarantee we were going to get them, you know, McGowan, you know, now that you've been named an assistant captain and you're going into your second year and, and now there's a league for you guys to play in. How excited are you for the next season? Oh, I'm pumped. I can't even wait to go back to school at this point, to be honest, just to even to have tryouts and see what new guys get. We get to come try out. And I'm just so excited to start practicing and see all the guys again and just continue to build our team and our program throughout the school. and. I can see it getting so much bigger in these next couple of years, especially around the school. Hoping to have a good crowd at some of our home games. I didn't get to play a home game this year, so that's definitely something I'm really looking forward to. And I know a bunch of the other guys on the team are as well. And I can't wait to see the atmosphere and how excited everybody gets to come out and watch us play. Yeah, and even even the rookies like McGowan there who did get you know, those CHF games in this year, we, none of those American teams could come to Canada 
because of you know the the restrictions that there was we were allowed to go there they couldn't come here if it did happen somehow we would have had to play with nobody in the crowd which you know that's it's not near as fun as it could be so yeah I'm super fired up for next year to get back to normal and and the rookies this year and the rookies from last year to play a home game and see the good crowds we get I'm just I'm so excited for them to be able to experience that and now you guys are playing in, in the UNYCHL, the Upstate New York Collegiate Hockey League. Is every team in the East Division that you guys are playing in going to come visit you guys, or is it only select few? How does that work, and what's the minimum like number of games in the league that you guys are going to play? Some of the teams, like Lemoyne, their school wouldn't authorize travel to Canada. I'm not sure if that's a COVID thing or if that's just the rules. What we're going to do there is we're going to go down for a weekend and make like play them twice and make them both four point games to eliminate, you know, those like, so, cause they obviously can't come to Canada, but I'd say probably mo- most of the teams in our like East division there, like St. Lawrence, Paul Smith, they've already committed to coming up to us. So yeah, we're hoping to get all of them at home and then hopefully play a home and home with them and get them on the road too. But unfortunately there's, I think two teams, which is Lemoyne and Union who their school won't let them come to Canada. Yeah, that's a bummer because, I mean, I'm sure, I I mean, I'll be watching, you know, on whatever live stream is available because I'm sure that first home game back is going to be so awesome for you guys and hopefully they can get the barn buzzing for you guys. Oh, 100%, man. I I cannot wait. And we've, we've got more teams coming up than just the East Division there. Like we've got Colgate, Massachusetts Maritime, uh, UNH, Brown is going to make, is going to return the trip from last year. So we got some like pretty big name schools there, especially with Colgate and Brown coming as well. So yeah, I I, I expect the barn to just be packed. And I'm sure Kean's played in front of a pretty decent crowd before, but I know for me it'll be probably the first time I've ever played in front of people other than like my parents and maybe a couple friends just in like a, a local rink in the area. So it should be super exciting and I know I, I'll be super pumped before the game. You know, we're really looking forward to this upcoming year and we appreciate you guys, you know, checking in with us. Um, You know, it's always nice to get an update from you guys north of the border and so psyched that you guys are in the CHF officially and you guys have a conference to play in. And uh, we wish you nothing but the best of luck next season. Awesome, man. You know, thanks. Thanks for having us on. You guys do just an unreal job just with college hockey all I mean, all over North America with, you know, us included, too, and the other Canadians you interview there. So. Yeah, I'll give I'll also give a quick shout out there to uh, Sam Murphy. I work with her at Irish Hills Golf Course there. She went on your, uh, she plays her Arizona State. Yeah, me and her work together. You guys do a great job promoting college hockey all over uh, the United States and Canada. And thanks so much for having us on and helps us build our program and all that good stuff. Yeah, thanks for having us and love to see all the college hockey stuff you guys are posting and keep up with the other teams around the league. It's great. 